Welcome to Statscast on Sunday, the um, 13th of March. Come on, Rudy. It's 7.48 a.m. The year is 2022. And you might be able to hear, come on, Rooney. You might be a good boy. You might be able to hear that noise, that uh, crackling that you're probably picking up is not some sort of static. It's rain on my umbrella. That's right. It does rain here and it's raining right now. So we're out on a, oh, in here the pigeons. We're out on a quiet Sunday morning early. And uh, well, unfortunately it's gray skies and the forecast is rain for the whole week, which is, well, it's needed. Apparently, all the reservoirs are getting low. So, uh, good thing. And you don't really mind if it rains in March. Because, you know, May, May onwards you want sunshine. But let nature do what it needs to do to replenish. And then uh, we can relax and have a, a nice summer with plenty of water. So, come on, Roo. Rooney is not on his leash. Come on, Roo. <laughs> I've got to keep an eye on him. The reason he's not on his leash is because I, I've got to hold the umbrella. And uh, so I'm out of breath here. Come on, this is steep hill. Come on, Roo. Good boy. Yeah, I can't hold the umbrella and hold the phone and hold his leash. I only got two hands. Need three for that, don't I, Roo? So you are being allowed to roam free which is not, you know, unusual, but uh, when, when I'm not really sort of out into the countryside, when I'm walking amongst the houses, which I still am right now, um, <laughs> I worry that he's going to do his business, you know, in people's plants, pots and things. So <laughs> anyway, we've got away from the main, main sort of streets where the houses are. Rooney quite likes the freedom, don't you? The um, the issue of the caterpillars is something that I'm a bit worried about. No, 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 no. Oh, God. Do you have to do that there? Wait, wait until we get to the top. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> He's very, very obedient. <laughs> I'm sure you don't want me to describe what I was just trying to stop. But uh, you get the idea. Anyway, um, thank you for joining us. Despite the fact that it's uh, grey and rainy, our spirits are not dampened, are they, Runes? Nope. Oh gosh, it's raining quite hard now. So thank you for joining us. And uh, hello, Lenny. And uh, uh, right. And uh, off we go. Okay. So we press on, <laughs> struggling to control everything I've got to control here. 
Okay. Put my phone in my pocket. That's better. So, yeah, completely different scene to the scene I usually describe. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very quiet, muffled morning. There are a few birds singing. You might be able to hear them. I think I can hear a blackbird and a few pigeons. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, I can hear some pigeons. But it's um, you know, it's it's, it's not our usual uplifting kind of sunshiny day. But it's all right. We don't mind a bit grey, do we, Rooney? <sighs> Rooney actually is a little bit of a softy when it comes to the rain. Sometimes, you know, if it's raining hard and I open the front door, <laughs> he just won't go out. He looks at me like, he must be mad. <laughs> but it's not raining that hard, so you're all right with it, aren't you, Rooney? So this is the sort of swap over season from winter to summer, if we can call what we had winter. It's pretty mild. But I, I was comparing in my, in my own mind a year ago, the winter that we had in Connecticut in uh, you know, March 2021, and the ground was still white and covered with snow and frozen. And uh, in fact, I got a photograph from my son yesterday, my son Harry, the oldest one, and uh, he showed me a picture of where he's living at the moment, completely frozen and uh, grey, but uh, did not look inviting. Right, I'm sorry about the huffing and puffing. Steep hill. So yeah, here, the season is, is changing. I've come on, Roo. I've got to keep an eye on him because of these caterpillars. Come on, Roo. Yeah, I'll explain. These caterpillars, <clears throat> I don't know what the type is. Yes, I do. Processionarios, they're called. There's a clue in the name. Processionarios because when they travel on the ground, they, they travel in procession, in a line, top to toe, you know. So they look like a long line of uh, caterpillars and they're kind of furry, or they look furry. And they live up in pine trees and they sort of pupate or whatever they do in the, in the pine tree. And then they come down from the pine tree and they, you know, all together and they walk in lines and uh, they find soft ground and they somehow bury themselves under the ground and, until they, uh, you know, metamorphosize into a moth. And uh, what is that bird there? Gosh, it's a big bird. Jumping around like mad in a pine tree. Is it just a pigeon or what is it? Can't see enough. Uh, so yeah, so, so what I'm doing is I'm looking up to see if I can see their nests. Because you, you can see their nests. They look like sort of big balls of, of uh, spider's webs or something. And um, they're quite high in the pine trees. And then they come down. And, you know, if there's a road, like we're on now, 
they'll walk across it. And the danger is they have poison. And, and somehow, I don't know quite the sort of details of it, but somehow they, they are able to fire little tiny barbs which contain this poison at you. And it's very nasty. You know, you get a nasty rash and you know, an allergic reaction usually to that sort of stuff for humans. So you don't want to get too close. But of course, dogs with their sort of, you know, noses and, and, and open mouths, they fire their barbs into the dog's nose and mouth. And then they, you know, they swell up and can't breathe and uh, can't swallow. And sometimes it kills them. So you have to be really careful. Come on, Roo. That your dog doesn't go sniffing around these procession areas. And, and, and you know, it sounds horrific, but I'm told that uh, if you don't get your dog to a vet really quickly, then there's a good chance your dog will die. So, and, and it's Sunday, so there's no vet open. So ruined. Um, you stay close, right? Uh, poor little innocent dog. You wouldn't know, would you, Runes? I wouldn't actually either, unless the locals had told me. So uh, we've got our eyes peeled. So that's our sort of nature fact number one for our Sunday morning. Procession arios. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I can't see any. So far, so good. Yeah, so that's something that happens this time of year. And, and, and apparently they sort of, they're on the move from now and up until sort of the end of April. So they'll be careful. Yeah, rain has, said it stopped? Probably not picking up that crackling noise of the rain on my umbrella. It's sort of just, drizzling so uh so what's been going on well what has been going on in the uh the uk branch of the stutcast is um career progress for my daughter maya she had another interview come on Rue. No, don't eat that. Roo, 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 come on. Sorry, um, this is, must be annoying, but I've got to keep badgering him. Come on. Yeah, you can do your business here if you want. Um, yeah, so she, she our, our daughter Maya, applied to a, another consulting firm called CGI. Like a Canadian, originally a Canadian firm, merged with a UK firm. They're pretty big. And uh, so she applied for her placement year uh, with them. And uh, went through the whole process, you know, we're getting used to it now, sort of the three hour tough interview and all that. <clears throat> anyway, long story short is she got offered a job. So, <laughs> talk about an embarrassment of riches. She's been offered a job at Accenture and CGI now and she's been offered to go on a um, like a four-day uh, sort of uh, orientation with Morgan Stanley, which usually results in a placement as well. So 
you know, pretty good. I, I hope I'm not saying like I'm boasting, but I'm just so pleased and delighted. <laughs> and, and her boyfriend, Josh, he's, you know, going down the same path. He's got, uh, he's got through the first phase, uh, the, the sort of screening interview with Oracle. Come on. You are going really slowly today. Uh, yes, with Oracle. And he has an interview coming up on, uh, when is it? I think it's Wednesday. Uh, which is the three hour kind of uh, tough one. So, uh, you know, these kids, they got to work for it. They really do. But uh, it's very rewarding when you get, you know, get, get off the job. Of course, mine is probably she doesn't know which one to take. And she's in a bit of a, in a bit of a muddle because she thinks that Accenture is the best one to take, but CGI have offered her quite a lot more money. <laughs> so we've got to play that card, that, that, that set of cards right, haven't we? It's like a poker game. It's like you suddenly find yourself holding three aces, and uh, you, you've got you've got to win the hand. <laughs> So, anyway, it's exciting. I, I find it exciting. I mean, the, the extraordinary thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm helping as much as I can, but I can't sit in the interview for them. You know, I can, all I can do is help them a little bit with guidance and research and put a few facts and figures together for them and, you know, rehearse it with them. But the funny thing is, you know, we've been lucky or successful with, with some of these interviews and yet <laughs> I cannot get myself a job well I suppose it's because I'm so specialist in what I do but uh, <laughs> you know I think my days are over for you know the, the career jobs and, and that doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all but um, yeah I, I, I suppose I'm living vicariously now through them and my two boys you know are also well, I mean they're much older they're 29 and 27 but they're you know they've both been in the jobs that they're currently doing for well well over 12 months now so uh, yeah a bit of stability now <laughs> pride comes before a fall uh, and I'm not trying to be proud but I'm, I'm just you know pleased if that's if that's all right <clears throat> so I know that uh, things can change at any moment but uh, it, it, you know as a parent I'm sure any of you who are listening who are parents you know you have that constant anxiety about your kids don't you all the time and uh, you just have to enjoy the odd moment when you think things are going okay because you know that some kind of disaster is about to strike you just don't know what it is and where it is but uh, there's always something around the corner that's gonna screw you up but um so today on this rather sort of misty rainy gray morning my spirits are up <sighs> gosh i'm looking down over the valley here and there's not a sound except for the rain on the umbrella well, that's not true Little birdie. Oh yeah. So busy talking, I wasn't paying attention to the birds. 
this wasn't it? Even with the rain on the umbrella. Then he's shaking himself down, trying to get the raindrops off himself. So what's been going on besides that? Well, more locally, we have been, well, we've been entertaining again, of course. Last night, we had, ah, oh, last night, we had a kind of a widow's night. If that doesn't sound too ominous. <laughs> but two ladies who, who Christina and I have known for a very, very many years. In fact, one, Heather Denham, I think I've known since I, I was 10 years old. You know, we used to come out to Spain with my mum and dad, and uh, they had a place in the same um, a group of apartments that we used to stay in. And they had kids around about the same age as us. And uh, it was kind of fun. Our parents would go out together and we'd all go out as families and have dinners. and. You know, it was a blast from the past. Anyway, she, she's uh, always kept a house in this area. And we reconnected when we moved here in April. Somehow, Facebook's good at that. So through the kids, you know, we kind of... Uh, we're aware, even though we didn't see each other very much, but we're aware of what everybody's doing, or a little bit. And uh, so anyway... They, they don't live here, but they had a house close by. And uh, Heather, who's 87 now, I think, um, decided that she couldn't keep it anymore after her husband David died, which was four years ago, I think. So, uh, you know, rather sort of sad and reluctant, but she sort of said, I can't keep this up. I'm too old. And it was, you know, it was higher up the mountain in the hills, difficult access and you know if you're 87 years old on your own the isolated house is you know a bit daunting so she decided to sell it and we came around for a, a, a drink it must have been like last may and uh you know she was saying uh, I, I, i'm not sure that i'm ready to completely sever my tie with spain i've been coming here for 60 years and we were having a conversation we were saying well you know <laughs> It's lovely in La Heredia, the village that, you know, we're living in. You know, there's a few places for sale there. Maybe you should have a look there. And uh, I think it was on her mind anyway. So, uh, so she came, had a look at a few houses and bought one. And um, did it up. And so she's over here for the first time now, on her, her own, actually. I think she's got a couple of gay guys that she travelled down through France with, but they're not around. So she's on her own. And we've been having a whale of a time with her. She's really, you know, despite the fact she's 87, she's got this can-do attitude where, you know, she struggles for breath and getting around. But, um, you know, uh, I saw her walking across the, uh, at the bottom of the village. Saw her walking around, so we, we pulled over and we said, hey, Heather, you're here. And she said, yes, yes. So we said, well, let's get together. So she said, why don't you come over for a drink? So we did. And lovely, I mean, she made a real effort. You know, lovely smoked salmon nibbles and, you know, big prawns. And it was very, very nice. 
Anyway, whilst we were there, <clears throat> we said, Heather, we've got Josephine Rote coming for dinner on Saturday night. Do you want to join? And she said, yes. She still remembered Josephine Rote, um, who also uh, has lost her husband about three, four years ago. And... Um, had a house in Madrinal, sold it, and, and she, she's actually rented an apartment down in a place called Guadalmina. But she wasn't ready to sever her ties. She's been coming here for years. So they're both in the same situation. They're rather sort of coincidental, or, or perhaps it's not so coincidental. I think there's a lot of widows down here. But anyway, so we thought it'd be great. We'd get two of them together. You know, we were going to have Josephine for dinner anyway. So uh, it was a, a jolly evening. You know, Josephine's quite a bit younger than Heather. She's probably only you know, in her mid-70s, I think. But anyway, it was nice to sort of reminisce. You know, you, you get back, I mean, we're only in our late 50s, but <clears throat> it was nice to, you know, and I find that people are interesting now. You don't have to just mix with your own age group anymore. You know, I, we, we mix with people that are 20 years younger and 20 years older. <laughs> and, and it doesn't seem to matter. I think it's all about your your approach. So, uh, you know, we decided we weren't going to go out for a meal because it gets so expensive. And it, so we thought, well, we'll cook. Which is always, you know, I know it's, it's, it's somewhat daunting for people when they say, no, no, come to us, we'll cook. Because people are a bit fussy about what they eat and, you know, you're a bit sort of captured, aren't you? <laughs> Portion sizes and things like that. But, but I, I, I sort of understood that. So I thought, well, we won't, uh, okay, Ruins, so we're going to go back. We'll go through the village. We'll go back this way through the countryside. Who thought? what to cook because Josephine already said I eat everything but I don't eat much and uh, Heather said I eat everything come on come on but you know your appetite's not that great when you're getting on a bit <laughs> mine seems to be alright um, so I thought well I, I'll cook a paella you know because that's a sort of a, a nice colourful dish um, come on and it's not too difficult to make and um you know, people, people sort of, it's fun because you can just take a spoonful here and there and you don't have to have groaning great platefuls. You just take what you want and, and you can select the sort of good bits. You know, if you like prawns, you can just pick a couple of prawns, bits of chicken, a little bit of rice, and, t and God, it was tasty. I mean, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, I, I, but paella is tasty. If you, if you cook it right, it's very, very good. I mean, the way I do it is, uh, <clears throat> well, okay, we'll, we'll do a recipe, shall we? This, this is my paella recipe. <laughs> and, and, and it's a bit kind of slapdash, the way I do it. I wouldn't say it's so scientific. <clears throat> but what I do is, first off, in the paella dish, or, or actually I did this in the griddle first, um, a nice sort of thick iron base. So you're getting a good spread of the heat. But uh, what I do is, I get um, chicken that's been, been sort of pre-cut, or you can cut it yourself, but with the skin still on. You know, and, and you get a nice selection. 
and I always think it's better on the bone. I know, I know some people don't like the bone, but you get a better flavour if the meat is on the bone. <clears throat> so I, uh, I cook the chicken skin side down in a pan until it goes golden and, and crunchy on the uh, skin side. <clears throat> and that actually can take a surprisingly long time. You don't want to, you don't want to sort of, well, I, what I don't want to do is kind of burn it. So I have the heat lowish and just let it cook for a while. Um, so that can take a while, but you know, you just do other things whilst that's happening. So maybe 20 minutes. People, people will probably say, what do you mean 20 minutes? Far too long. Especially as it's going to be cooked in the um, paella rice and, and liquid. But anyway, what you're doing is you're sort of getting a nice texture to the chicken. Um, and it's releasing all those, all those delicious sort of juices, which you don't want to lose. So anyway, you do that. <clears throat> now what I do is, I chop, well I chopped a couple of shallots, um, uh, a half an onion, and some garlic. Yeah, as much garlic as you like. Some people, you know, love garlic and put tons in it. I, I, about three cloves is what I did. <clears throat> half an onion and two shallots. Chopped them all up. Uh, okay, put them in the uh, paella dish if you've got one. <clears throat> or big frying pan if you don't have a pile of dish and uh, soften them and then put the chicken in with the uh, the onions and the garlic and the shallots and make sure you scrape out if you're doing the chicken in a separate dish make sure you scrape out all the juices um, mix them together then the other vegetables that I do, not, not really many, it's a, a green pepper and a red pepper. Um, put those in. And then, uh, th then I make a stock. You know, there's no, no, no sort of uh, magic here. I get a, one vegetable stock, uh, uh, you know, block, and one fish stock. I crumble them together in a, in a jug and add hot water, about uh, you know a couple of pints, and um, mix in a little bit of uh, white wine or sherry with it. Doesn't matter which. <clears throat> white wine probably better than sherry. Sherry can be a little bit strong. And um, tomato puree. Mix it all together so you've got your stock ready. Um, so your chicken, your peppers. Yeah, and your onions are all cooking together. And then you get your paella rice, which is this kind of stubby, sort of small grained rice. Uh, very good at absorbing the, uh, the moisture. So you, you get that. Now I put it like a cup and a half, probably could have done two cups, but I don't like it to be sort of overpowered with rice. And uh, you, you pour that, into, into the pan and then you cover it all with your stock and then let it cook and don't forget saffron if you've got it that's the sort of magic ingredient um, and not much you know a few strands of saffron break it up and sprinkle it and of course salt and pepper and uh, there simmer until all the moisture has been absorbed by the rice 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> Forgot two rather important ingredients. <laughs> Almejas. Uh, they're the little, small, little, almost sort of thumbnail sized shellfish, grey. Uh, absolutely delicious. And they're great for adding sort of flavour. Um, they're very small, I mean, of course, you eat them. Vongolia is, is, is what you usually put them in, but uh, you know, they're, I think, the most important ingredient in a paella for the underlying flavour. So if you can find them, um, put your uh, mechione, I don't know what the uh, English for mechiones is. Not mechiones, mechiones is muscle, sorry, almejas, almejas. Um, so you get, a, you know, like a, a double handful, a big scoop of those. And uh, before you put them in, wash them and let them sit in, sal in salted water for, you know, an hour if you can, just so that they can discharge any sand and sort of grain they might have in them uh, and then you know rinse them again in a colander and then put those in your bubbling mixture and then open up and release their the wonderful flavor into the paella um, now the other thing is prawns if you can find them so it's difficult in America, I know, but if you can find them whole with their head still on, better. Because you know, the, the flavor is contained in the head and the... So what I do is, because people, not everybody likes to be unpicking or picking off the shells of prawns, but they are pretty when they've got their shells on. So I'll do like one big prawn for each person unshelled. In other words, with the shell still on. And then I'll, for the, for, for the rest, I'll, I'll take the shells off um, and make sure they're yeah, uncooked prawns, don't act by accident by ready cooked prawns, um, and put them in late. Because what I think is much better is the texture of the prawn shouldn't be rubbery, it should be soft. So don't worry, don't, don't, you know, people worry about, oh my God, are they going to be undercooked? I'm going to poison everybody. No, no, no. If you get really good prawns, um, put them in, in in the last sort of 10 minutes um, into the dish, you know, and, and make sure that the ones that have had the shells taken off are kind of buried, you know, in with the rice. And the ones that are really just for decoration, but they obviously taste good, on the top. And uh, they'll cook, you know, they will cook fine. They don't need more than 10 minutes. And then your pile is done. Uh, and so how long should you be, you know, once the rice and the stock's gone in, how long should you be cooking a paella? Well, the answer to that is <clears throat> more than 40 minutes. <laughs> That's helpful, isn't it? You know, if it's 60 minutes, it doesn't really matter as long as the heat's low and it's not going too dry and too soggy. Um, and the reason I say this is because one of the kind of delicacies with paella is getting a crispy base. So the rice, you know, at the bottom of the pan, doesn't matter if it sort of burns a little bit and sticks. In fact, that's what you want. Because that adds a variety of texture. So you get the softness of the rice on the top 
and the crunchiness of the rice from the base. Yeah, lemon if you like it. Give everybody a wedge of lemon and off you go. And uh, it's a great dish. Colorful, pleasing to the eye. Loads of you know, soft flavors. And if you, the chicken and the, and, and the shellfish is a great combo. I think they call it paella mixta here. <laughs> Obviously, as it sounds, it's mixed paella. Mixed seafood and chicken. And that's, that's the way I do it. I mean, some people say you've got to put chorizo in. I think there's purists. It's a bit like, you know, putting pineapple on a pizza. <laughs> the Italians have a fit if you see that. And I think the Spanish have a fit if you put chorizo in your paella. But whatever you like, you know, there shouldn't be hard and fast rules. But, uh, and, and I think they liked it. I think it went down quite well. You know, there was almost none left. I suppose I probably ate <laughs> more than everybody else, but well, it was nice. Even Rune's got some, didn't you, Rune's? Come on, Rudy. He, he's sniffing around everything today. Hey, come on. Yeah, so that's what we did. Lovely evening. We sat out on the terrace. We had the heater going, but we sat out on the terrace, protected. It, you know, it wasn't actually raining, but it was, yeah. Quite nice because we, we saw the sort of the, the, the day fade out and looking out down to the coast onto the sea and the lights come on it's so cozy uh, yeah we're so lucky to have that and that's at home you know you don't have to go to a posh restaurant to enjoy all that you can do it all at home and uh, Josephine came by Uber and went by Uber actually no, she went by taxi Ubers can be a little unreliable around here. Oh, Blackbird. You hear him? Uh huh. Oh, it's raining quite hard now. So that was, uh, that was our sort of social thing. <clears throat> Very enjoyable. The, the other thing I suppose I should give you a quick update on is my campaign as I'm running to be. Um, <clears throat> the president of this community sounds awfully egotistical, doesn't it? Uh, it's not like me at all. I was sort of, well, if you've listened to these podcasts before, you'll know. I, I was somewhat pushed into it. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> I'm up for it. I would like to run this community because I do feel, you know, that there are things that could be done to really improve the quality of life and, and, and the value of the properties in the village. And uh, the current administration has been in for five years. You know, and I think you sort of, you go a bit stale after a while. And I can, I can tell they're sort of running out of ideas. <clears throat> I don't mean to be critical, but, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of becoming a, a sort of a barrier <clears throat> to progress rather than a, an encouragement to progress. They're sort of taking people to court for <laughs> really trivial things and uh, that, that you know that, that's rather negative and confrontational and I, I don't think there's any need for that so anyway so I'm going for it and <clears throat> I'm collecting votes all the time we're doing proxies because a lot of people don't come to the annual general meeting they just, just fill out a form and say you know I, I give my vote to you <clears throat> so I'm just trying to get 
enough votes to get a majority. I don't know if I'll get it. Hope so. But uh, we'll see. Uh, it's, it's April the 11th is the, uh, the day of the meeting. <clears throat> I'm told <laughs> that the, uh, the incumbent um, is, well, what should we say, <laughs> has a fierce appetite to hold on to this role and is prepared to go quite far to make sure that she doesn't lose. So, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know what, what, what uh, quite that means, but uh, people have <laughs> said, don't, Lord John, you know, she'll... Well, anyway, we won't go into that, but we'll see. We'll see. So it's coming along. I'm, I'm getting votes in. And uh, well, it would be it would be an absolute honour to do it. I mean, I'd only, I wouldn't do it for five, five years. I, I, I'd do it for like one, two, <clears throat> maybe, and then let somebody else have a go. I think you come in, you bring your ideas, you know, you make the changes that you think, you know, would be beneficial and, and to people's preference. Oh, hello, barking doggy. And then you move on, because fresh ideas is what it's all about. I mean, you see people in power, whatever the role, like Putin or whoever, and you see them in power for too long, and it, it kind of goes wrong. You know, unless you are the world's biggest genius, and, and nobody can touch you for creativity and ideas, um, unless you are that, you know, have your little burst of, of creativity, and then move on. That's my... There's my thoughts for what they're worth. Yeah, so that's coming on. And the other thing that is, you know, becoming a sort of a regular... <clears throat> oh, wow. Look at this. There's a giant poster just on the side of the uh, Ronda Road. I'm, I'm looking down at the Ronda Road now. <clears throat> Usually what you see is posters for villas and apartments for sale but here's a sign of the times there is a giant poster all in yellow and blue and there's a sort of a, a woman's who's painted her face yellow and blue there's a picture of a explosion and some god and, and, and some destruction in a, in a city and across it it says stop war Wow, that's a sober kind of reminder of what is going on, even here in this sort of backwater of Spain. Stop what in English, you know? Surprising, isn't it? And I agree. I didn't really want to go down that avenue because I'm sure we're all sort of trying to put that in a place in our minds where we don't have to think about it all the time. But, uh, yeah, what's happening in the Ukraine? I want to say the Ukraine. <laughs> in Ukraine. I don't know why it seems to have a preposition in front of it, but uh, what's happening in the Ukraine is just staggeringly awful. And uh, the likelihood of escalation seems to be so fragile and teetering on the edge. I just don't know what's going to happen, but... Uh, we can all have our own theories and, and ideas of what's going to happen there. 
but I just know it's wrong and it needs to come to an end as soon as possible. And, uh, you know, there's no point destroying a country to... Come on, to, to, to sort of take it over. Uh, I think Josephine came up with a good one last night. What did she say? Um, oh, I've forgotten now. Uh, it was a quote from Thackeray, who wrote Vanity Fair. And uh, actually, she was talking. She wasn't talking about war. But anyway, she, she was just being slightly philosophic about life, and it's something along the lines of. We spend most of our lives worrying about things until we suddenly realise that they weren't worth worrying about. <laughs> well, this one is worth worrying about, so I'm not saying that. But it just came up. Um, no, I, I was thinking of something from Pliny, actually. I think it was Pliny who said something like, we've, we've destroyed our way to peace. And I think that's what Putin is likely to do. What, what, what's going to be left? A pile of rubble and a, and a, you know, a population that's in misery and, and full of hatred, hatred for you. That's no way. That's no way to win anything. Anyway, let's not talk about that because it's, it's really, you know, front and foremost of every kind of media and news article. So try and give ourselves a bit of a break from it <clears throat> I mean, I'm not trying to say that it doesn't matter and I'm not trying to trivialise it at all you know god I've had serious thoughts about how, how, how can we help and you know can we take families and uh, let them live in our house and yeah those are serious thoughts that are going through Christina and, and my head right now but we'll keep those thoughts to ourselves um yeah sorry I didn't need to go down that avenue I was going to tell you about another thing that's become a feature of our sort of lifestyle over here is, is paddle tennis. It's a wonderful game. It's a really good game. I hadn't realised. And uh, Christina started a WhatsApp group of people in the village who want to play paddle tennis. We've got about 20 people in the group and uh, we book a, a, a court or two, you know, a couple of times a week and uh, get, a, get a, you know, set of doubles or two sets of doubles together. And off we go to the beautiful village of Benavis, which we come under in terms of the, the, t the township. And uh, we play in, in the mountains in these beautiful courts, all, all completely for free. And uh, it's great fun. It's not exhausting and it's not frustrating because you don't have to be that good to play it. <coughs> and uh, really love it. We've got some great people that we play with. Come, hey, Rue, come on. Oh, I can't even whistle. Come on, Rue. Here he comes, full speed. Put it on the brakes, Rue, it's at a steep hill. Did you hear him? <laughs> Galloping past me. He's shaking himself every 30 seconds because he's getting covered in water. Anyway, you better because you're going to make it filthy. All right, so 
we're getting back into the village now, so I, I think we'll move into the close. Hey, rooms, move into the close. Yes, all right. Well, I lost through any areas. Why, why are you covered in dirt? What did you just do? You must have gone under a bush or something. It's dropped all this kind of bush litter on top of his back. Give yourself a shake, Rune. Don't want you to take that into the house. So we're just coming into the back of the village now. And it is raining quite hard. So it's going to be a day indoors, I think, today. No paddle tennis for us. But we do have... Gosh, is this going to be one of these cooking podcasts, isn't it? But we do have <coughs> a side of uh, baby ribs, <laughs> which Christina loves. I, I love. So we're probably going to cook those, slow cook them and have those for lunch. Maybe even light a fire. It's not actually cold, but it's not warm. So that would be cosy, wouldn't it? And just watch the rain come down. Oh. Yep, and we'll be beaten indoors. Oh, is there some rugby on? Oh no, hang on, I think I think that was last night, wasn't it? Damn it. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think there's any rugby on, otherwise I would have gone down to the bar. I should know what happened. England, Ireland was last night, wasn't it? Well, maybe I could watch a replay or something. Yeah, I'll look for that. I know Scotland, Italy, I know. Scotland beat Italy. That was in the afternoon yesterday. But I couldn't watch the England Island because we had people for dinner, obviously, as you know. Anyway, Rooney and I would like to say thank you for joining us on this uh, walk. Sorry, it's been a sort of a rainy one, but still, gosh, one, two, three, four, five trays of cat food underneath the uh, current president's car. She's a cat uh, fan. And uh, she puts these trays of cat food underneath her car so that the cats can, you know, have their food in, in shelter. <laughs> That's rather nice for her, <laughs> I have to say. And it stops you, Big O, from getting them as well, really, because he can't clamber underneath the car. So, I will say, on behalf of myself and Rooney, um, goodbye for now, and uh, let's talk again soon.